This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. And for Marshall Ramsey this morning, I'm Kevin Farrell. Today we'll talk with the creator and host of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's original documentary, 35 Million Years Down the Chickasahay. Mark Puckett is professor of geology at USM. Also in studio with us today is George Phillips, curator of paleontology at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and James Starnes, geologist at the Office of Geology. You can be part of our show this morning by giving us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Or email the show, marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back after this news. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. And welcome back. This is Now You're uh, You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. In for Marshall Ramsey, I'm Kevin Farrell. The Chickasaw River in southeast Mississippi is a world-renowned treasure trove of the Earth's history, and in a special Mississippi public broadcasting television original documentary titled 35 Million Years Down the Chickasaw some of the river's ancient discoveries are revealed. Today we'll take a behind-the-scenes look into the documentary and talk to the co-producer and host, Mark Puckett, professor of geology at USM, and his two colleagues, George Phillips, curator of paleontology at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and James Starnes, geologist at the Office of Geology. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us this morning. Good morning, Thank Kevin. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, the documentary throughout the hour, but first thought we'd start off the show by learning a little bit more about each one of you. So, uh, Mark, we'll start from you. If you would, tell us a little bit about where you're from uh, and where your interest in geology came from. Well, I um, actually got my bachelor's at uh, Southern Mississippi back a long time ago, uh, back in 82, and uh, master's at Mississippi State and Ph.D. at uh, University of Alabama. And uh, during that whole time, I've been studying these little tiny fossils about the size of a pinhead called uh, ostracods. And um, they're uh, little tiny creatures that crawl from here to there, and they evolve also pretty quickly. So um, you go into different areas and uh, find new species, and I've named, I guess, nearly 50 species uh, some from here in the Gulf Coast, some from the Caribbean. Um, but that's something that um, I've been doing for quite a long time now. So um, about two years ago, I um, retired from the University of North uh, Alabama and moved down to Southern Miss. So I've been down here uh, a couple of years and on the faculty and uh, was very anxious to do some exploring about the geology around here. So luckily, I've got some friends here who know uh, what they're looking at, and it's been a real, real pleasure. And I might say that Mississippi is very fortunate to have Mark. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Um, interest in geology, does it go back to your childhood? Uh, were you inquisitive, like to go out and explore, that sort of thing? Well, I like nature and I always like science. And um, in high school, I was a lab aide in biology. And uh, so we didn't have any earth science or geology at the high school. So I didn't really know anything about it. Um, but I, I came to Southern Miss uh, to study biology and I did for a couple of years, um, and I found it, um, honestly, for me, not really all that fascinating to a certain extent. Uh, it was a lot of memorization, sort of. Um, and I was looking at marine biology also, and I went and I saw um, a guy swimming with some sharks and feeding them. And I said, mm-mm, <laughs> that's not for me. <laughs> and uh, so I took a geology class uh, at Southern Miss and found it to be very, uh, very useful. I mean, you find, uh, find water, find oil, very practical science. And um, since I already had so much biology that time, I just had a double major in geology and biology. So um, it's worked out well because now I'm a paleontologist and the little bugs don't go running away when I go to try to find them. <laughs> and they're less intimidating than a big shark. Yes, indeed. <laughs> also with us in studio is George Phillips, curator of paleontology at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Uh, any listeners to Creature Comforts will uh, recognize George as a frequent guest there. So, George, thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us a little about the work that you do at the museum and, again, your interest in, in fossil collecting, paleontology, that kind of thing. Well, since almost the uh, first year 
that I got to Mississippi. I've been working with my colleague, James Starnes, at the Mississippi Office of Geology, trying to better understand Mississippi's geologic past, particularly in central and southern Mississippi. When I, when I moved to Mississippi or back to Mississippi from North Carolina, I knew very little about Mississippi, central Mississippi and south Mississippi's geology and paleontology. And thanks to uh, James Starnes and his boss, David Dockery, and uh, some of our work along the Chickasahay has made uh, it's been a great opportunity to study uh, at least 20 million years of Mississippi's geology just in the southeastern corner of the state, from Meridian to Waynesboro. Um, I've been with the uh, Museum of Natural Science for about 15 years now. Uh, I did my undergraduate at Mississippi State and my graduate work at North Carolina State. And um, Mississippi, born and raised uh, until the late 1990s, and I moved to North Carolina to work on my graduate degree. And I grew up in the Cretaceous Belt. I am a son of a farmer who farmed the Black Belt for many, many years, and I did a lot of that farming myself and uh, with my brother. And it wasn't until I was much older and had uh, tried several careers that I wasn't happy with that... I decided, well, I love to pick up fossils. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, and, and I really love paleontology. And with a little help from my uh, mentor, Jack Kay, uh, Professor Emeritus for many years, now deceased uh, with the Mississippi State University, um, he and his wife encouraged me to go back to school. And uh, I eventually got my master's in geology and have been studying Mississippi's geology ever since. Okay. Uh, our third guest today is James Starnes, geologist at the Office of Geology. Uh, James, a similar question to you. Give us a little bit about your background and, and your interest in this area. Yeah, good morning, Kevin. Um, I My interest in geology goes back to childhood, which uh, which pretty pretty much a common vein with most uh, people who study geology and paleontology. I was fascinated with fossils as a kid growing up in San Antonio, Texas. And I used to hit the creeks and stuff like that and collect all kinds of neat little geological treasures. Uh, but when I got to college, I didn't really know that there was a geology degree out there. I started out pre-med at Millsaps, and uh, I, I went on a field trip with a geology department that a, a friend of mine had, had brought me on. And, and I, I changed my major as soon as we got back. And uh, I've been working with the State Geological Survey, which is under the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality now for about 20 years. And uh, I'm now the uh, director of surface geology. We deal with the surface geological mapping, the mineral resources, and the paleontological resources, and other uh, sand and gravel and things like that throughout the state. And um, but I, this is this has been a, a childhood dream of mine, which uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm living throughout you know all the way through today. Uh, so again, maybe if uh, y'all might want to comment on this, and we'll start again with James. Why is the study of geology important? All right. Geology, um, you know, it, it, it literally is um, uh, the Earth's history. And so when we look at the different layers and we peel back the different layers, we're looking at the story of the Earth over long periods of time. But also geology is the basis for the environment. Um, uh, all living organisms, um, their, their, you know, their environment is based on uh, the, the geology. Um, also, uh, one of the things that you that, that you see is um, um, all all the environments out there. Uh, they're they're just all based on geology. Any other thoughts? Well, one thing, of course, we get our natural resources from the earth, and, and geology is very important. Uh, we all came here to the studio in our cars, and some geologist uh, somewhere had to find the uh, oil and gas <laughs> and uh, to get us where we can get from point A to point B. It's pretty nice. And so it's a very practical science. And <clears throat> to a large extent, we're sort of, I think of it as uh, uh, archivists of Earth's history. Um, so as far as we know, Earth uh, evolved and originated right here. Uh, uh, life did on this planet, and we can look back at the fossil record and see what happened. And it's a truly wonderful planet, and to try to discover what happened, how is it that we got here, I think is a kind of a uh, fundamentally important question. George? Yeah, that's a good point, that, that geologists are archivists of the history of the Earth. Um the field of geology seeks to also be um, uh, a, a, a reader, or you say a, a, an archivist, a recorder, but you have to learn how to read the geology of the earth, and and uh, I, I think that's a, you know, we learn how to read in, 
in grade school um, or even before grade school, and we uh, we learned the language and were able to uh, read about the language. We were able to you know look into with as a geologist, you're essentially reading the Earth's past. And I every time we go into the field, I learn a new aspect reading Mississippi's geology uh, and add to previous information. And just this trip alone, I think, has allowed us to to read a chapter and and put some a few things together. We we paddled down uh, a, a good length of the Chickasahay River, and were able to read several chapters of, of Mississippi's ancient history. And we continue to to read and and better understand Mississippi's geology today. Uh, an archive, as 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 Mark said. Um, but it's it's been an interesting this uh, interesting project, and we're talking about taking it to the next level. Yeah, and we discover something new just about every time we get out. I mean, it's it, it's not like we we get out and we, we've seen the same thing over and over again. We're always finding a new aspect that 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 you know fills in a new puzzle piece of our understanding of the state, but not only the state, but uh, uh, you know how, how this world has evolved over time. Geology is a page turner. If absolutely. you will. <laughs> James is absolutely right. All right. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. Three guests in studio with us this morning. Mark Puckett, professor of geology at USM. George Phillips, the curator of paleontology at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. And James Starnes, geologist at the Office of Geology. They work together on the MPB TV original documentary, 35 Million Years Down the Chickasahay. We'll be back with more. Now you're talking after this break. can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Mississippi Public Broadcasting is pleased to announce an innovative new way you can support us. Change by Soft Giving allows you to round up your change from everyday purchases and donate it to MPB. Sign up today by visiting mpbonline.org slash support. From there, securely link your credit or debit card information to start rounding up your change. Your contributions allow us to continue providing smart, entertaining, and engaging programming to Mississippians. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Now You're Talking. I'm Kevin Farrell, sitting in today for Marshall Ramsey. Uh, we're taking a behind-the-scenes look today at the MPB original documentary, 35 Million Years Down the Chickasahay, with our guest, co-producer Mike Mark Puckett, a professor of geology at USM, and two of his colleagues, George Phillips, is curator of paleontology at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and James Starnes is geologist at the Office of Geology. So, uh, Mark, it sounds like they all were knew each other, familiar with each other professionally. How did you how did you get the gang together when it when it came to this uh, expedition? To tell you the truth, it worked out really well um, because with several people, um, we were able to get what we wanted to do accomplished. Um, George, I knew, uh, knows every fossil in the state, <laughs> so he's an extremely uh, valuable person. Um, and James has been uh, mapping of the state, and uh, he knows all the fossils, too. And so um, I wanted to go down, and at first I thought about uh, like a reality TV show um, because this um, this interval is a pretty long interval that we went down. It's about 22 and a half miles. And um, so it's something I did not want to do by myself because I wouldn't even really know what I was looking at. So I wanted to have some people go with me who who knew a whole lot more about it than I did. And uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> they agreed to do that. And um, we also had to get the help, the cooperation from uh, many of the local people down there. And uh, without their help, I don't think it would have happened either. There's some super people down there, and they're all very enthusiastic about the, the project. And I think a lot of them are really looking forward to seeing the, 
the show this Thursday. Um, so without all those people, it wouldn't have happened. Um, so um, that's basically what uh, kind of the genesis of it. Now, um, at first, I did want to do something like, again, a reality show, a TV show. It's just like, let's go down the river and see what happens. And um, <laughs> and so I, I pitched that to uh, to Katie uh, Savage, uh, the, the producer, and um, she said, I really like the idea about going down and filming what we find down there, but I do not like the idea of... Uh, a reality TV show, um, and that's because she's a professional and she knows what she's doing. <laughs> and uh, and we know where those shows go. <laughs> that's right. right. So uh, she asked me to write a script, um, which I did, and she and I went back and forth um, quite a few times. And then uh, with the help of some of the local folks, we were able to make a reconnaissance trip um, and find out this, the spots we wanted to stop at. And um, so that's kind of the, the genesis of the way it came about. So it does sound like there was some pre-production. It wasn't, as you just said, let's take a trip down the river and see what happens. And by this point, you had identified maybe the areas on the river that you wanted to highlight in the project. Yes, I had actually been there before uh, a couple times, very short trips, because of the these uh, some of these strata are very rich in fossils and little tiny fossils that I study, and I wanted to get some kind of uh, comparative material. Um, and one of the things that we discovered when we made a reconnaissance trip was how very unstable part of it was, because uh, a big, large cliff that I had climbed down years ago uh, basically wasn't there anymore. <laughs> and uh, that was one of the places I wanted to stop. So um, it was it worked out really well. We made that reconnaissance trip. In spite of the high water? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so it's a 22-and-a-half-mile stretch of the river. Uh, someone wants to play geographer for me and tell me where, from where to where. Where did you uh, start in the river, and, and where did it end up? George? Well, we, we put in at um, Shibuta, Mississippi, uh, just below the landing. Uh, any other time in lower water, Shibuta has been known to be rich with fossils, and it's got a nice section there. We didn't get to see all the section there at Shibuta because of the high water, but nevertheless, we made several stops. Uh, I forget how many total, maybe 18, dozen and a half, some stops along the river. Some are recorded as official stops. Some were more impromptu. Of course, I'm not even counting the restroom stops. <laughs> <laughs> but so we, we passed below, uh, we, we left Shibuta, floated downstream. Um, we passed a little community of Hawani where there was a nice section. Um, a lot of it was underwater, but we were able to still see the top of it. And we ended up at um, you know twenty plus miles later, in the town of Waynesboro, at the major boat landing there, where a lot of the locals recreate, and uh, we had talked about going a little bit further, but uh, the night previous was a little hot and everybody was tired, and <laughs> we decided not to go much further than that. Uh, James, when when did y'all take the trip? What time of year was it? I was July. Okay, and so, so it was really really warm. Yeah, and, uh, it was an it's... unusually uh, wet wet mm -hmm. season because i mean nice. usually we were kind of planning on uh doing this at this time because it's usually when the river's the you know the, the lowest and the best exposures uh what does the name chickasaw mean uh it uh refers to some kind of local tuber a potato chickasaw potato okay um you know i don't know the the exact story behind it but it refers to this tuber uh, i'm not sure what we call the common name of it is today, but refers to a tuber. So has anyone ever, I guess you don't know what it is, has anyone ever eaten a Chickasaw potato? Do we have any idea what it I is? Hadn't. I try to learn what it is before I eat it. <laughs> Chickasaws ate, just because the Chickasaws ate it, or that's what I hear, that's what I've read uh, in one of the uh, books. Uh, I haven't read Paddling the Pascagoula yet, but it, it's mentioned in uh, Preserving the Pascagoula, an older book from 1980. Um, but anyway, that's all I remember about it. All I right. just to try one. Wouldn't know if you had to fry it or boil it or what. Well, you know, um, Monday at 9, the show right before us is, is Deep South Dining, so maybe Deborah Hunter can find some chicken salt <laughs> potatoes and, yeah. and, and cook us up for some uh, next week. <laughs> um, Mark, you are the the author, the writer of the script the, uh, of the documentary. Had, had you ever done anything like this before? I have not. Um, actually, Katie and I wrote it together. We're co-writers, I think, on it. And... Um, <clears throat> I had I didn't know anything about it. She said write a script, and so I went to look for a software for the computer that's got all this uh, this person and this scene, you know, already set up. And um, 
I think she was a little surprised. Uh, I probably went way overboard on that. <laughs> and we probably went off script a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, so, But it was it was really good because uh, Katie was really not wanting to make too much to chance, you know, leave too much to chance. And so I think it worked out really well. And and it was uh, it was fantastic. I'd been wanting to do something creative like that for a while. Usually the summers for professors were writing our papers and um, manuscripts and uh so that didn't really uh, stop them, but then I finally got a chance to do something like this, and it was really enjoyable, especially meeting all the people and working with these fellas and the other people down there at the um, at the at the site. So, give us a, a feel for it. Is it? Um, are there any moments of you know canoe cam that sort of thing? Is it or is it pretty much just maybe narration of of what's going on and then the the uh, the the landscape and that sort of thing? Do we ever get any kind of embarrassing, fun, intimate moments in the canoe, like watch out that, you know, paddle's about to hit you or anything along those lines. Nobody uh, overturned, thank goodness. No, yeah. we didn't have any spills. That was great. Um, well, it was really interesting because Katie um, really added a lot of poetry, you might say, to um, to the show. And so my focus was pretty much on the science and the geology of it, and, and a lot of that was really fantastic. And she put um, a, a different flavor to it, you might say, to bring in the really beautiful landscapes that are around there, um, uh, some close-ups of paddles, uh, some really nice music. And uh, so I think the two really uh, melded together really, really well. I thought so. Okay. Uh, how long did the trip take? Well, we we got everything together, boats and everything, uh, the night before we left. So we were still gathering equipment there that evening. And then uh, we, we, we gathered for dinner to kind of talk about logistics one more time. And then uh, I think we, we left the house, Mark. Well before daylight, didn't we? To, Very to, early. to get to get yes. to the boat launch, and then we, uh, but but two days of filming on the river. Okay. Um, we talked about the importance of understanding geology. Why the Chickasaw Hay? What makes this such a unique uh, river and such a great, I guess, outdoor laboratory for for what y'all did? Well, James. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, the Chickasaw Hay cuts deep down into the geology. Uh, Mississippi is blessed, uh, you know, with, with you know, un, untold just natural beauty. But um, it also, the, to get actually down to see the geology, you get to get, you've got to get down where it cuts below the trees and the soil and the grass. And uh, in the Chickasaw Hay cuts such a deep um, um, uh, channel that it cuts down into the fresh geology. And so we really get a chance to see uh, that geology really, really, really fresh. And uh, it's almost a continuous um, uh, series of outcrops through there. And in just other parts of the state, you just don't get that continuous exposure. And uh, George was talking about the fact that some of the exposures that, um, um, you know, had, had sloughed off. Well, it's, it's continually renewing itself by exposing more and more geology as this, as this stuff weathers out of the banks. You know, one thing that I'm getting that I think would make this an, an interesting and kind of unique uh, documentary is it's almost kind of a left brain, right brain kind of thing. If you're interested in the geology uh, of Mississippi, would something you would certainly be interested in. Uh, but, uh, Mark, as you alluded to, just the, the natural beauty of Mississippi, uh, and I understand that also there was a, a drone operator. So, I mean, anyone that's seen drone footage, it's just really breathtaking. So it's really something that kind of appeals to, to a lot of different types of people, hopefully. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, it is a beautiful place, and the, I know the people who live around there. They uh, they love the river. The river is really a part of their lives, um, and they keep check on it, which is really good. People are. Um, they knew when we were down there filming, um, doing some kind of a documentary. Everybody around there seemed to know about it, and um, they they make sure that nobody trashes the the river. The river is very clean. Um, in July, they have a, a race down the river, um, and it's a friends of the Chickasahay that put that on, and um, and so they're very very concerned about the the environment down there, and they rec recognize what a beautiful place it is, and they fully intend to keep it that way, which is great. And again, uh, any kind of response from any of y'all on this one? Um, challenges, I mean, maybe both from the, the 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 filming of it, but also I just the idea of taking a canoe trip. 22 miles down the river, uh, is there, there must be some challenges involved there. Maybe if you could tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced on the trip. Well, we looked at the weather forecast, and in spite of the rain that, previous rain that had caused the river to rise, we didn't have any rain in the forecast. 
Um, we had plenty of help, I think. I had two colleagues from the Museum of Natural Science, our collections manager and one of our wildlife biologists. Um, we, uh, uh, there, there, there was no, nothing unexpected, I guess. Uh, there weren't any great challenges. Um, we had first aid kits. That's certainly very important. Again, we had s- plenty of uh, watercraft. Um, no tragedies. Didn't lose a man or woman. <laughs> um, but I guess the high water, you know, the unpredictable levels, uh, uh, you know, water level in the river, you know, you can't control that. And, and Katie had a timeline, and we had to do it then. But um, no great challenges, I think, uh, unless there's something behind the scenes in the creation of the project that I don't know about. No, it was uh, the biggest challenge was trying to get to sleep that night. We slept on a point bar about halfway down, and it was so hot. <laughs> oh, we yeah. got... Uh, we got to the point bar about three thirty in the afternoon and uh, the first day, and we just got down into the river and stayed there for a couple hours trying to cool down some. But then, of course, the point bar had sat in the sun all day, and, and it was really hot. And I was sitting there laying down there and listening to the owls and everything else uh, by the hour, I guess it was. And and I was just like, "Who turned on the heat? You know, somebody <laughs> left the heater on here, man. And we, it's really hot." And we got just enough sprinkling and early in the evening to make it even hotter. <laughs> Very sultry. What is a point bar? A point bar is where the uh, the river makes a, a turn, and on the inside of that turn, uh, there is some sand that's been deposited. And so this one was a a very large, very large point bar. So we had plenty of uh, place to set our tents up, and we had gotten permission from the the real nice folks down there. It was no problem for them. So we need to take another quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. We're talking today about the original uh, MPB TV documentary called "35 Million Years Down the Chickasahay." With us are guests Mark Puckett, George Phillips, and James Starnes. We'll be back with more of Now You're Talking after this break. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking. Sitting in for Marshall Ramsey this morning, I'm Kevin Farrell. If you're just tuning in, we've been talking with Mark Puckett, professor of geology at USM, and two of his colleagues, George Phillips, the curator of paleontology at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and James Starnes, geologist at the Office of Geology. We're talking about the documentary 35 Million Years Down the Chickasahay. It's scheduled to premiere this Thursday at 7 on MPB TV. Uh, so uh, we mentioned a couple times, Mark, uh, the uh, uh, the locals that um, helped out. And so maybe if, uh, if you all have some stories uh, about, uh, you know, as you said, they were very friendly, real helpful. They're very proud of, of that part of the state. Um, what are some of the things that they were able to help you with? And maybe if anybody has kind of an interesting story about uh, some of the locals that uh, you met along the way. Well, one guy's name is uh, Drew Walker. He's the president of the Friends of the Chickasahay. And uh, he was very helpful in introducing us to some folks who had boats and could move us up and down the river. <laughs> that was a really nice thing to be able to do. <laughs> and... Uh, so that was um, that was a big help, and it turns out that um, I believe the first night one of the folks wasn't able to make it um, to who was going to drive us in the boat, and uh, so they scrambled really quickly and found somebody else to uh, to take the place and to take us up the river, and um, so again without their help it would not have been really possible. Um, in my I had a canoe I was in, and I had a, a motor on it, and unfortunately. The motor quit working. <laughs> it didn't. It never worked, and uh, so it was a great deal of work. And um, so some of the folks were really helpful in transporting materials from here and there. We had a, a couple of people, including Drew, from the uh, the week's previous kayak race, 
Uh, I forget the other gentleman's name. But, yeah, we had a, a couple of people tag along from the kayak race. And th- these are obviously people knowledgeable about the river because they do it on a regular basis. So um, you mentioned that you had kind of done some um, some scouting trips, and I think all of you were familiar with the area. Uh, but anything during this excursion that kind of maybe surprised you or threw you threw you for a loop or something along those lines? One of the things I was very, uh, very thrilled about was to be able to see some uh, orbital cycles, astronomical cycles that were recorded in some of the strata. Um, in most of the marine deposits, um, there are so many bugs, so many critters, worms, and so on that are continually churning up the uh, the sediment that any of these orbital cycles get uh, get obliterated. But there was one part, um, we spend a few minutes on the, in the documentary about it, um, where we could see uh, a repetition of these different layers, so it was it was it looked exactly like a clock, and basically that's kind of what it was. Um, so I was thrilled to see that um, and um, explain try to explain to folks uh, what's driving those different kind of cycles. So. Some of the unexpected things include some of James's. Um, he made the best fossil discoveries, the vertebrate fossil. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just that the the, the spiny oyster and. Yeah, most most of what we did see on the river were invertebrates, uh, and invertebrates tell us a, a great deal uh, about uh, you know the the formations that we're in because there 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 there's so many different uh, seashells and 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 but the the vertebrate stuff is a lot rarer, and so when we do find uh, vertebrate material in these deposits, it, uh, it 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 it's a real treasure, and I think we ended up we ended up finding a squirrelfish fossil. Yeah, an articulated fish skeleton. Yeah, it was yeah. about. Uh, eight, nine inches long. Uh, preparation of it has been a little bit challenging. Mm-hmm. But historically, people have found uh, whale bones along right. the river. Where we started at Shibuta Landing, um, uh, uh, whale vertebrae, uh, the backbones, and the teeth of giant sharks have been found. Uh, there are a few collectors uh, of the Chickasahay, particularly at Shoals, like at Shibuta and, and uh, at other places. Uh, Andy Weller among them of Waynesboro, Mississippi, who's found some incredibly amazing fossils, including the remains of things that have never been recorded in the state. Um, Unfortunately, he couldn't make the trip. (laughs) I would have loved to have had his serendipity along with us. Um, But yeah, a few fossil discoveries of note. We do rely a lot on um, uh, for our knowledge of the uh, the geology and the paleontological resources of the state on on our local collectors. We we do so. Uh, we we try to keep a network um, uh, uh, with these folks, and because what what happens is we're in the office a lot, and so um, we're not able to. To, to, to be on these outcrops all the time. And a lot of these folks do this stuff as hobby. They go up and down the creeks, they go up and down the rivers, and they collect, they collect fossils. And um, that's how we know about a lot of these uh, the discoveries. And George was talking about Andy there in, uh, in Waynesboro. He's one of, our, uh, uh, one of our contributors to the museum who's, who's uh, uh, you know, found a treasure trove of material up and down that river. So, uh, James, you said that you, you found some fossils, some exciting fossils. And so uh, Fossil Collecting 101, if someone is uh, listening here and maybe has not ever been out looking for fossils and has piqued, your, piqued their interest, how do you go about doing it? Is it just walking along in a, with a sharp eye? Well, Mississippi is blessed with lots and lots of different uh, age fossil exposures. Uh, the northeastern part of the state's got some of the oldest fossils. They date back uh, to to the days of the dinosaurs and then you get uh, younger and younger and younger as you work your way to the coast and so you've got several several million several tens of millions of years uh, exposed in mississippi but some of the some of the formations uh, uh don't preserve fossils all that well uh some of them do um what i would do is uh, we, we've got a, a whole bunch of literature out there you can contact us and we can get you some uh, materials out there about uh you know what what can be expected as far as the geology of the area you're looking around in um but uh when you do collect um it's a good thing to keep uh good data on what you collect because it's really really important to us uh to know you know where it was from that that helps determine what formation and what age it is uh who collected it and uh, when they collected it those three pieces of data are really really important to keep with the specimens 
Uh, a lot of times we'll get people bringing fossils uh, to us and they're like, well, you know, my granddad collected this and it may have been in Kemper County or it may have been in Lauderdale County and this, that, and the other. Well, uh, something that was found in Kemper County may be much more important if it was uh, actually found in Lauderdale County. Um, but uh, knowing where this stuff was found is uh, uh, is really, really key to what it is and what, what its geological uh, and paleontological significance it is. James, you guys sell a book, uh, the Clark County Macro Paleontology yes. Bulletin. That's uh-huh. a... A, a, a good section of the mm-hmm. river, a very fossiliferous section, cuts right through uh, Chickasaw as it passes through Clark County. Mm-hmm. And uh, that book is a wealth of information it in is. identifying the fossils. That's a good of fo- that area. That's a, that's certainly a good fossil guide. But also we uh, we have the Wayne County Geological Bulletin, mm-hmm. which talks about the uh, different formations uh, that are exposed up along the river, and it's a little more background on what you're actually looking at. And all those are available through our office. So would uh, fossil hunting be at all comparable to looking for shells on a beach? I mean, you kind of walk along, you see something, you might dig in. Maybe the more you dig under the surface, the more likely you are to find interesting things. Am I on the right track there or oversimplifying it too much? You are, especially when you're along uh, a creek channel, um, whether it's a, a river or a creek. You have things washing out of the formations. Think of the formations as occurring in the channel of the creek and the wall of the creek. As a layer cake type stratigraphy, that's usually what you see in in Mississippi, a layer on top of layer on top of layer, uh, mostly horizontally arranged. And the river is cutting these layers in places, and it's washing these fossils down to the water line. And so that's often how you encounter the fossils to begin with. Just digging into those layers, you don't always find something. But our best discoveries were made uh, near or on the water line, as you would on a beach, uh, which is which uncovers shells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was going. One thing I was going to mention is the fossils I study are really small, mm-hmm. and you can't see them when you're out there. And that's probably one of to me. It's one of the greatest things about those strata there because these bugs. It's almost like they died yesterday. Some of them almost perfectly preserved. And if you take a, um, I don't know if I collected five pounds of material, they're going to be thousands and thousands of them. And uh, so they're very. Beautiful, um, but very interesting to look at, and also very useful because these things uh, evolve, they change through time, and some of them actually are found all over the world. So we're able to to date um, those rocks there, those sediments along Chickasahay, um, very, very accurately because of these kind of little tiny plankton that are there. Okay. Uh, we have a caller on the line, so we will invite uh, Sue from Beaumont into our conversation. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Uh, the, Chickasaw, the Chickasahay River is a... Uh, is a special river. It, am I? Uh, it, it's my understanding that it's one of the last unpolluted rivers in the United States. Is that true? I don't know about regards to uh, pollution. Um, uh, I, it certainly holds some records. Uh, uh, for example, it's the largest um, uh, river in the country that is undammed based upon its discharge volume. Um, and but I don't know about any other records. I think it's one of the largest rivers in this in the warm temperate region globally in the northern hemisphere. It may even be the largest undammed um, river system in that narrow uh, warm temperate region around the world that's undammed, again, undammed. I mean, there are certainly very large and long, lengthy rivers uh, that are undammed in the country. But this one is the Chickasahay and Pascagoula River system still are on the record as the largest undammed by discharge volume. That is the amount of water that flows through the area on a yearly basis. Well, I, I'm glad to know that, there, that you're finding fossils out there, but when you talk about it, it's just going to encourage more people to go and leave trash behind plastic bottles. And Well, I hope not. If they watch the program, I hope they'll I be good stewards. But... Special as that being <laughs> touched in any way. I have a Choctaw ancestor, and every time I used to cross that river... I would stop and say a prayer for it because it's a special river. The Native Americans left a light footprint when they came and left. But, um, you know, you get you get people out there and they're going to leave a mess. Well, you do make a good point, but I think it's also uh, important to advertise good stewardship uh, on the river. And it's a beautiful resource, and I think that's conveyed in, in the over the nature of the program. 
And I, and I, I do think that the more people are aware of it and aware of what uh, a, a natural treasure it is, the more people will uh, spend the, the time and energy uh, conserving it. Also, uh, from what y'all have told me, it sounds like they're, uh, the locals there are quite proud of, of the river and uh, would not take kindly to uh, folks coming in and leaving behind a lot of trash and that sort of thing. So it sounds like uh, there is some good stewardship of uh, at least the part of the river that y'all were on. There is. They are very concerned about the river, and I would uh, hate to be a person who trashed that place up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other uh, thing about it is it's a fairly long stretch, 22 and a half miles. So it's, you know, somebody's got to be prepared to go for a pretty long way. And, um, and I guess that, that probably cuts down a little bit on the traffic. If there were a, uh, a boat ramp every couple miles, it'd be a lot easier for people to get in and out. But uh, you got to be prepared to go uh, the distance when you get down there. In our trip and on previous trips, uh, I don't think we ever s- encountered anyone that showed wanton disregard for the river. Thank no. goodness. Yeah. It was very clean. Uh, that's good. Uh, yes. Uh, let's get another call in before our next break. We'll talk to Rick in Gulfport. Good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, I have a question that's a little off topic. Uh, I was born and raised up around Tupelo, Mississippi, and I've found uh, little nodules of iron pyrite up there uh, my whole life, off and on. And I was just—I never have gotten a reasonable explanation for why it's there. Uh, could you help me with that? Well, we have someone with us, uh, James Darns who is a local authority on pyrite formation in, in marine sediments. <laughs> well, the, that pyrite formed, uh, you know, uh, in, in basically uh, an environment that was, was low in oxygen. Um, what happens is, is these marine sediments, after they're deposited and they're buried uh, uh, deeper and deeper and deeper, there, there's little oxygen in there. And uh, in, that, in that really reducing environment, instead of oxidizing iron, iron is... Uh, uh, iron is um, is is reduced, and then you end up with these uh, nodules of, of iron sulfide. And uh, some there's been some argument which one of those are, uh, are 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 pyrite and which one of those are marcasite. And they both have the same chemical formula, but uh, it's actually a different crystal system between the two. But uh, uh, those are real real neat treasures up the there. And you find in the lapidary shops, they're yeah they're yeah. different. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of, uh, uh, when you break them, they're kind of like blade-like crystals, correct? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. they're, they are really, really neat. And they almost, when they, when they weather, they're almost kind of a bronzy-looking color to them. Yes, yes. And you can, some of those, if you put them in a product called uh, Iron Out, which gets rust out of toilets and whatnot, some of them will return to their original luster. Some of them are too far gone. Oh, wow. I've got to, I've got to write that down because I've got yeah, several right. in the office that have, uh, you know, I, I show them to people to try to compare to the specimens that they bring in. And, you know, I collected mine back in college. And so they're, they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're kind of bronzy and not, not quite so much luster to them. But, okay. yeah, they're, they're certainly, certainly one of the neater mineral specimens you'll find in the state. Yeah, you'll find it, find that product in the plumbing section that, uh, at the hardware store. I'll check that out. Thank you. All right. right. Hey, Rick, thanks for your call. Let's take one final break this hour. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. And for Marshall Ramsey this week, I'm Kevin Farrell. Today we're talking about the documentary 35 Million Years Down the Chickasahay with Mark Puckett, George Phillips, and James Starnes. We'll be back to wrap up the program after this. sound like loose change to you but to us here at mississippi public broadcasting it sounds like support now with the program change by soft giving you can round up your change from everyday purchases and support mpb and the programs you love with every purchase you show your support for smart entertaining and engaging programs that benefit all mississippians sign up today by visiting mpbonline.org support and click donate your change If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. 
Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell in for Marshall Ramsey. Today we're getting an in-depth look at the making of MPB's documentary 35 Million Years Down the Chickasahay with co-producer Mark Puckett, professor of geology at USM, and two of his colleagues, George Phillips, is curator of paleontology at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and James Starn is geologist at the Office of Geology. So, uh, again, maybe throw this out to all three of you for some thoughts, but... Um, what what is what was the goal of the uh, of the documentary and and what are you hoping that people who watch it kind of take with them? Mark, let's start with you. Well, the goal is to show people what a fantastic uh, resource this is natural resource here in Mississippi, and uh, it's again it's not really easily accessible. So I thought it would have been a very interesting project to have some people very knowledgeable about the geology to go down and film it and share it with others. Um, there's also a um, a couple things that we discuss during the program. Again, the astronomical cycles we talk about and how those are reflected in the rocks. And those kind of astronomical cycles can be seen on other planets. You can very clearly see them on Mars and so on. So that's kind of a fundamental thing about geology, these different cycles that go through. Um, we also looked at uh, evidence for changes in sea level, and that was one of the uh, is actually one of the most important aspects about those strata there. Number one, they have a lot of the the great fossils, especially the little plankton, the tiny fossils, so the strata can be dated very uh, precisely. But they also show clear changes in sea level that occurred during that time interval. So um, we would see, say, some rocks that had all kind of uh, marine fossils in it. Um, as we move up the section a little bit, go down river a little bit farther, um, they became more muddy. We started losing all the uh, the marine fossils. Um, and then all of a sudden we'd see this beautiful beach sitting around top of these muds and uh, showed that the sea level rose again. So when uh, people are boating down there, they can look and, and get an idea about what kind of environment uh, certain rocks were deposited in and also what it means when they change from one type to another, what it means as far as sea level goes. So maybe have a better appreciation when we're on the river of, of what the river actually is. Yes. Um, one of the, the most interesting aspects also to me was that how those ancient uh, changes in sea level affect the way that the channel actually looks today. So uh, during times when uh, the sea was relatively high, when it was clear, there wasn't very much mud in there. There were uh, just a myriad of uh, kind of sh- uh, seashells, different fossils that uh, basically make their uh, shell out of calcite, which is one of the uh, ingredients in cement. So uh, during those times, when sea level is relatively high, they produced a really tough rock, a limestone. And this limestone is toward the end of our trip and um, that we look at. It, and it makes some really nice cliffs, uh, beautiful waterfalls. Um, times when sea level was low, it brought in a bunch of mud. It's very incompetent rock. It uh, easily erodes, so the channel looks totally different. So uh, hopefully, you know, after people watch the show, they're able to look at the different rock types and know something about how they're deposited and what effect that has on the way it looks today. And, and James, when we talk about these layers, it sounds like that really just to the naked eye, you can see the the different layers that we've been talking about as you as you travel down the river. That's right, Kevin. And um, everybody asks the story of our geology. You know, what 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 is it? Well, the you know it's it's a it's a a record of the seas coming in and going out over time. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a simple story with some really really complex caveats. Um, the reasons that the sea levels are rising and falling um, uh, has to do with what's going on as far as uh, global history, and that's where we kind of tie that into the river. Um, the uh, uh, people come from all over the world uh, to study uh, this part of the this section in Mississippi because it, it it's just you don't see this anywhere else where it is as well preserved as it is in Mississippi, and you can see those layers of the of the seas coming in and the seas going out. Got another caller to get to. This time we invite uh, Suzanne from Meridian to the show. Good morning, Suzanne. Go ahead. Good morning to you guys. I'm going to make this real quick. Uh, I'm a pub- I have been a public school teacher um, for a lifetime, maybe two. And the one layer, you were talking about layers. The one layer I would like to hear in your story is the Native American portion of, the, you know, the history behind this. Uh, the Choctaw and the Chickasaw, uh, their people say Chickasaw, um, that's what they call themselves. 
I think if there were some representatives of elders from the tribe, you would get a lot of background information. Also, I've been involved in place-based education. And you were mentioning a reality program. Well, all of it's about place as well. And the fossil hunting, the geology, that's part of that too. It would be all connected you know, rather than isolated in segments. So if you want to get in touch with me, I've worked uh, in the Delta with uh, place-based work uh, in the schools, and it really preserves, you know, the history of our Native American cultures in our state. And I think just consider it. Think about it. Well, thanks for the question, Suzanne. So, Mark, perhaps for the sequel, we'll include <laughs> well, something of more fact, recent import. <laughs> in fact, I had uh, originally thought about having some uh, history about the Native Americans because that uh, place in particular is very important. Uh, Hawani, that you mentioned earlier, George, was a major trading route uh, for the Native Americans and um, that were bringing their goods up from Mobile Bay up to Chickasahay and and. Um, and there's so many aspects, and there and there's a lot of good, great information too. The local folks have researched uh, the Native American history down there, but as it turns out, with a 30-minute show, it was uh, a painful thing indeed to try to figure out where to cut because we had to cut it down what we already had. Mm-hmm. But um, so that would be a, a great thing to do in the future, I think. Yeah, and the the Native Americans had such a connection with the geology. I mean, the 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 tools that they made. Um, uh, came from the you know local outcrops, local formations. They they probably had a, a better better handle on the geological materials uh, than than probably we do today. Uh, the previous callers from uh, uh, Lauderdale County, the Tallahatta outcrops over there, and that formation has the Tallahatta quartzite in there, and that Tallahatta quartzite is full of um, of, of of mines where Native Americans have taken that rock. And, uh, and turned it into uh, tools. But not only that, traded it literally all the way across the state. This stuff can be found in Louisiana and East Texas. But, um, uh, you know, they, they, they really had a connection on the geology. All right. Uh, we are just out about a time. I uh, want to remind everybody that the documentary, uh, 35, million years, 35 Million Years Down the Chickasahay, will air this Thursday, April 26th at 7 on MPB. TV. So that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you all for coming in. Thanks, Kevin. I want to thank uh, Mark Puckett, Professor of Geology at USM. George Phillips is the Curator of Paleontology at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. And James Starnes is Geologist at the Office of Geology. Again, the documentary airs this Thursday at 7. That's April 26th on MPB TV. Now You're Talking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, produced by Michelle McAdoo. We'll be back next week. See you then. Thank you.